Welcome back to the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Roland, and I am so excited to bring y'all this episode today. I am joined by my dear friend, David Rose. We met uh, a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago now, I guess, uh, while doing an ayahuasca journey in Costa Rica. And I know that as I've been doing this uh, journey and talking about this journey on my Instagram and things like that, it's definitely been one of the hottest topics that I've ever covered. And I've had so many questions come in. And so I thought who better to help me share that story, share all about our experience than the person who's literally sat next to me while I did it. <laughs> so David, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you. Thank you. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, Anything that you want to share about yourself before we dive in? Um, anything you want the people to know? Um, well, I imagine that you can probably tell by my accent that I'm I'm English from London. Um, I I suppose previously had a background in, in crypto, but after what we experienced together not long ago, you know, it's very difficult not to want to focus on on something as sort of deep and meaningful as this. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I was thinking about how we even start today because every time someone asks me about it and I just like don't even know where to begin because it feels like there's so much. Um, but, but I'm curious, like, what do you think are the biggest things that you want, would want someone to know if they were going into an ayahuasca journey? Um, so, like, as the things that come straight to mind, is, uh, so I don't know how much um, context you want to give, but we, we did sort of an ayahuasca retreat in the sort of Shipibo tradition. Um, and um, the, the things that I would maybe recommend um, without any context is sort of like, uh, A, keep an open mind, um, and B, um, like, do your best to trust the process and respect the rules. Um, because like there's a lot of uh, discipline involved and it might be the case that like when there are rules imposed on you, you're sort of curious as to why they're imposed on you. Um, <laughs> but as you, as you sort of trust the process, uh, you begin to realize that these uh, rules are very well thought through and there's reasons for them. Um, and like in, in a way, some of them are almost ancient um, based on what um, the Shipibo tribe's been doing for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I really love that you started there because, yeah, I, I've had a lot of questions about exactly how it works and what it looks like. And I, I think it is really important to give some of that context. So like you said, we were working in the Shipibo tradition and that's an indigenous people from Peru. And there are quite a few different traditions um, developed by indigenous people all over South America. And I assume other parts of the world as well, but especially South America. Um, and so everyone does a little bit differently, right? But it's it's it seems like from what we were taught that everyone has a certain level of preparation work, um, rules during it, and and post work and rules after it as well. And uh, I know that I and I think you as well developed like a really really deep reverence for the those traditions and the ceremonies and and what we were taught. Would you say that's the case for you? Yeah, ab absolutely. And, and I guess um, to qualify talking about keeping an open mind, like it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like very 
difficult to sort of envision or imagine before experiencing it, like what it actually entails. Um, and, you know, as uh, I'm sure you remember, like as part of the, what we call a ceremony, um, uh, after certain um, ceremonies, but the one um, I'm talking about is the one right at the end of our four ceremonies. I mentioned sort of to you how, you know, I've always struggled with um, sort of uh, meaning and purpose in a sort of existential sense as I would, you know, regard myself as like a, an atheist in, in a sort of conventional sense. Um, and I've always sort of str struggled with the notion of spirituality, mysticism, and that which is mystical. Um, and I, you know, again, as you know, like I'm sort of delighted to, to say that this is the first thing I've ever experienced that I genuinely deem uh, mystical. Um, and the sort of, or one of the many reasons why that's beautiful and part of the beauty is it requires sort of no, no belief in the supernatural to see this as like a mystical phenomenon because it's all sort of, um, at least in my opinion, or what I was shown, like all grounded in, in nature. Um, mm. And, you know, this is when, this is again, where I sort of emphasize for your listeners and people more generally to keep an open mind because, you know, I, I have a strong suspicion we're going to start talking about like communicating with a separate consciousness and <laughs> communicating with mother nature and, and, uh, and plants which are conscious and communicating through them through geometric patterns, which is quite possibly like the language of nature and so on, right? And I guess like almost to, almost to sort of like um, jokingly defend myself, you know, I, the, my interest in the past are like cryptography and genetics and I've definitely been like, I, I would almost regard myself as like a reductionist. Um, and, and so the point being, you know, I, I often don't think in ways like this and this sort of like, has me on my knees as I have actually experienced something <laughs> mystical now. So it's just like worth mentioning that, like how I usually think and therefore how skeptical I am and suspicious of stuff like this generally. Um, and then to experience what you and I experienced like lying in like the mattress to, like, next to each other is you know, uh, nothing short of mystical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it is easy if people were to just hear us, like never knowing us, never talking to us, just like hear the conversations that you and I have now on our own, they'd be like, these people are out of their mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it is a good point to, uh, to say that, you know, you, you especially were a little bit more skeptical and a little bit more like data and science driven. And this is just something that is like beyond and what any of that can explain, right? So, um, yeah. 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 So to give a little bit more context for people who are probably like, what are they talking about? They're lying on mattresses next to each other. So um, when you do the ceremony, we were at a seven day or I guess seven night retreat and we sat with the medicine, drank the medicine, were, was in ceremony for four of those nights. And every time you sit in ceremony and drink the medicine, it happens at night. Um, and you, it's a very physical experience. So you're given a spot to make your physical experience comfortable, like a mattress, a bolster, a pillow, a blanket, tissues, all of that stuff. And we were assigned seats. Um, and we were given the same seats every single night. And David and I were assigned mattresses right next to each other. They were probably like six feet apart or something like that. Um, and so our journeys 
I think partially because we were sat next to each other, but also partially because we've connected really well. Our journeys were very much, um, like parallel and, and intertwined throughout. And, um, yeah, we, we learned a lot. We saw a lot. So <laughs> where do you want to start from there? <laughs> oh, so, well, I guess, I guess like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's endless, endless avenues to go down. Um, I suppose we could sort of talk about the, um, the journey of the four different ceremonies mm. and how like, um, you know, uh, they're not, they're most definitely not all equal. Um, in fact, like it's almost like um, in, in many ways, you can see them as like stepping stones and, um, um, and, I, and they're in a way subjective, which is to say that like, you know, some people have what is deemed a mystical experience on the first night or the third night or the fourth night. Um, and there's, there's like a bunch of variables which goes into that, like me personally. Um, so the whole group was actually kind of, explain how the first ceremony is kind of seen as the diagnostic ceremony where you know you figure out especially for those who hadn't done ayahuasca before uh, including myself like you fi- and yourself like you figure out um like your dose and you sort of develop a relationship with mother ayahuasca with the medicine and even like using language like that um begins to get into the sort of um, seemingly woo-woo is like developing a relationship. It's like, why are you developing a relationship with like a drink or like a tree? What is, what is this? But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to interrupt you really quickly as well to give more context, if for those who really don't know anything about ayahuasca, ayahuasca um, is made up of at least two plants. So it's the ayahuasca vine and then one more. Do you remember the name of the other one? I don't remember the name of the other one. I- is it is that yahe or is that just a different, different um, no that's a different t- like related yeah. thing to ayahuasca but anyway it's at least two plants um and in the shipibo tradition they keep it pretty much just to those two plants um but other traditions they'll add more things in um and they brew it and it, they brew it not so that it's like a, a normal tea where it's like you know the consistency of just water it's very thick like molassesy and um it has like everything in it kind of thing and you drink that so yeah so what, what i do just like what is actually useful to say and, and um what i do know about it is so interestingly so, so like the main psychoactive um component of ayahuasca is dmt right. and interestingly like humans um have it naturally like we mm-hmm. we um produce dmt or, or um have dmt within us naturally um but we also have sort of evolved built in dmt inhibitors um and so like the ayahuasca is mixed in the brew with ayahuasca vine the vine of the ayahuasca and what the the ayahuasca has um a lot of dmt in it and the ayahuasca vine has what i believe to be like alkaloids which essentially um sort of switch off our naturally inbuilt dmt inhibitors essentially sort of like giving the brain access to DMT, the DMT within ayahuasca, and that's how you can sort of access, you know, whatever we're accessing by way of the perfect mix of a lot of DMT and and the alkaloids which switch off our inbuilt inhibitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. And like we mentioned, it's not like you just drink it. 
there's a whole ceremony around it, right? Like we have Shipibo maestros who are basically shamans or guides for people who don't know that term. And they were taught these traditions for generations and generations passed down through their family. And they guide the whole ceremony. And then we have also a few English speaking facilitators who support them and who are also very well versed in the medicine. And there's quite a few steps to the ceremony before we even feel anything really. Um, but yeah. And so then like you, back to what you were saying as well, like this, there's this arc of your journey, right? So like, like I said, we had four nights and the facilitator said to us, we right before that, that like, there's generally this arc or journey of your four experiences as if the medicine knows how long you're going to be there for. And I definitely experienced that. And I'm pretty sure you did as well, um, where it was kind of like the last night, everything came together. Um, yeah. What are, I want to hear more on that from you. Yeah. So, um, so we, I think the arc was, was actually, um, like that for us but also not for everyone so um you know one of our friends um experienced like a sort of mystical experience on like the first the first night for example um whereas you know for i was speaking for myself like the first night very much felt like what our facilitators talked about which was like a diagnostic night not too much happened my second night was um pretty wonderful and very interesting and saw some very like insightful things, but I wouldn't have necessarily regarded it as mystical. Um, and then the third night for me, what a lot of people kind of regard as another, which of course in Spanish is a nothing, right? They call it another, where essentially not, like, yeah, like nothing happens. And I um, basically uh, slept through the whole ceremony and, and didn't really feel anything. Um, and I have, I have like a few theories as to why that happened. And, um, and that actually is kind of like related to sort of respecting the rules and discipline. And so I sort of dry fasted and, um, you know, didn't drink um, water or eat um, after a certain uh, time the following day um, with this sort of increasingly newfound or just like increasing respect for um, these rules and thinking like, oh, maybe they, you know, maybe hundreds and maybe even thousands of years of, of tribes and people doing this like they probably know more about what they're talking about than I do um and then of course like the fourth and final uh, ceremony for both of us was was like the sort of classical experience that um you know I, I think that everyone's sort of looking for yeah 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 and so I don't know if I actually ever asked you this when we were there but what was your intention going into the ceremonies? Yeah, so so um, I think I think it's like um, more common and probably more right, if you will, to to go in with an intention. Um, but I, I I was just sort of like very clear on having no expectation, which which I appreciate is different to intention. But I also sort of didn't have. Uh, so I had I had some intentions, but they were kind of like tri like trivial relative to what um, we uh, experienced and saw, and like this sort of related to that like the the, the maxim which I fully believe uh, now um, is sort of Mother Ayahuasca doesn't always give you what you want, 
um, but she always gives you what you need. Um, and I guess like the point there is, I actually think that a lot of the intentions are almost shown to you by Mother Ayahuasca as opposed to, <laughs> um, like, again, I think it's good to go in with intentions. I don't think I necessarily did, but I guess my point, the underlying point is like, the intentions you go in with are not always like the intentions you really have or like are aware of and like and often like the much deeper stuff is revealed as your intention um by ayahuasca yeah yeah absolutely and that's why we were kind of coached by the facilitators leading up to it like you know have your intention but also make it really simple and really open and like don't expect to get every little answer to every little thing that's on your mind like have one or two big overarching intentions and then just let go <laughs> let go or get dragged is my new favorite yeah. <laughs> new favorite phrase <laughs> yeah well i went into it with like pretty solid intentions of of Mine, my main ones were healing my relationship to my body and as well as the physical manifestations of trauma that I've had, like arthritis pain and, and soreness in my muscles and things like that, as well as um, wanting some clear validation about my future, like my career, my partner, all of that stuff. And I actually do feel like I received all of that. And so it also is interesting, like just depending on where you're at with your journey and if your intention really does align with what you need, I guess is like, you know, everybody kind of has a different experience. Um, and I think that that holds true for the rest of our group too, right? Like there were definitely people who got exactly what they came for. And there are definitely people who were like, I could never could have imagined this. <laughs> yeah. And I, look, I, I, I was, I will happily, happily say that I was, uh, in that latter, the latter group, um, you know, as I, I've told you this before, happy to, happy to tell everyone that, you know, I, was, I had to almost, um, I had to check my hands in that fourth and final ceremony, um, like to check that I wasn't actually pulling my hair out of my head. Right. And I was like, look, because it's a good thing. Don't worry. Like, because I, my, I actually just like, couldn't believe, uh, what I was seeing, um, and I couldn't believe that this something this like purposeful and meaningful actually exists. And like in real time, my brain was just like having a very like in the most like beautiful way, like a very uh, difficult time, like fathoming that this actually exists. And I was actually like you know checking that I wasn't pulling my hair out because I was like holding. My <laughs> um, and it, by the way, it's like I I think it's really important, or at least it is for me to kind of I really struggle with using the words like trip and hallucination for this um because yeah. it like kind of connotes that you are seeing stuff which isn't there you are seeing stuff which doesn't exist or you know like mm -hmm. I, was, I was seeing flying unicorns or whatever um when actually like i one of the most astonishing things about ayahuasca is like how much like truth and clarity it gives you um so I, I, I'm almost trying to trying to think of like the best word to use and like journey journey is, is like good, um, but it's just like worth mentioning that like a lot of the stuff that you see, um, I don't believe to be like a hallucination or like a quote unquote trip. I think it's like revelation of truth. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And 
it, it, when people have asked me similar questions of like, did you hallucinate? What did you see? Yeah, I had some visions for sure. And I, I had some like beautiful geometric patterns and, and things that I could see that felt like were, felt like I was looking at it with my eyes. Right. But there were most of, I would say most of my journey, most of my ceremonies was actually just inside of me and inside of my body, inside of my brain. And it was as if ayahuasca, the spirit of ayahuasca, mama ayahuasca was putting a truth inside of my body. And it was like, she would just put something and drop it into me and be like, and I would instantly be like, oh yes, that's true. And I know that to be the truth. And you could never tell me otherwise. <laughs> like there are things that I learned in that in that ceremony that like someone could argue with me all day long and show me all the data they wanted in the world. And you could not convince me that what I have learned is not the truth of the world. Um, yeah. But anyway, I feel like we keep kind of talking around it. <laughs> but if you're open to sharing a little bit about like what you actually saw and experienced, um, yeah. I think that'd be really great yeah of course so so like the I, I mentioned that my in a way like my first real albeit not mystical but my first sort of like real insight into like um the power of ayahuasca was my second was the second night or the second ceremony and that was just sort of like um very very clear there's like very very clear messages in my head of like the importance of sort of um not muddying your brain and like the importance of unadulterated parity um and and that that goes down to as like um as well like caffeine and alcohol is sort of like seen as societally accepted and day-to-day stuff but like you know caffeine is a drug and alcohol is a drug um you know society has decided to delineate them from uh, between legal and illegal so people like make a distinction between you know like as as far up as heroin but also you know as, as light as like mushrooms are different to uh, caffeine and alcohol because like one is legal and the other isn't. And the, the truth is that like these are all drugs and they do uh, like muddy your brain, which isn't to say that, that there aren't certain benefits, right? That like caffeine increases productivity, but like it does change your neurochemistry. Um, and I was given these like incredibly like lucid messages of like the importance of unadulterated clarity. So like I find it like a lot harder to have like a glass of wine now <laughs> um and it's it like continues to it I, I can't figure out whether it's like a one which will fade over time or um uh one which will stay with me and we can actually maybe later we can talk about the difference between those two things like an integration um but anyway that, that was like the um like super interesting stuff of like it's not mystical but it was really like clear and interesting that second night the the fourth night uh was a whole different uh experience you know oh like the fourth night um i actually kind of divide the the experience into two phases because i had a very like clear and strong calling to go up and drink a second cup halfway through the ceremony um and looking at in that first one it was it was like truly beautiful i i um and again like a caveat I probably will be using a lot is like, I know how this sounds, but, <laughs> right? I know how this sounds, but like, I really did like see my future self and who 
I like either will be or want to be like very clearly uh, like um like in my older years as a man. Um, I um got a little bit teary because I saw like the importance um of like um ayahuasca for certain members of my family um and like how this sort of uh has the potential to sort of inject like purpose and meaning like gratitude and joy um almost like incarnate into you um and then the <laughs> and then the the sort of second phase of my of my night was sort of being blasted off into universal consciousness um and literally sort of i mentioned like the, the, the term sort of gratitude and joy and love and uh uh these are not these are not like semantic words anymore these are like concepts that you can literally feel and like in your bones like feel the definition of the word if mm. that makes any sense at all yeah um and you are like you are communicating like one of our facilitators talks about it being just like an incontrovertible truth and as you said earlier like if people try to explain it on a neurochemical level or they're dubious at dinner party and they're trying to sort of and make a, redu a reductionist like you essentially it's okay to sort of like say I, you know don't really have any interest to have this debate with you like and it's very difficult to, like you know the, term, the word ineffable which people use for psychedelic experiences is like it can't be described with words like <laughs> uh in some ways it, it's kind of like that but in other ways like you probably could describe it with words it's just like people won't believe you yeah. um <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I totally feel the same way and yeah I it feels so it feels like I can describe in words but I can't describe like the power of it in words right like I can describe what I saw and what I felt but I don't think I can truly like really get across to people just how powerful and how how much of a truth it feels so let, let, I'll, I'll do a, a final attempt which is so so the things that i found most what's beautiful is like my two things have happened like one is like in many ways my worldview hasn't changed at all and in another way like my worldview is like completely changed, right mm -hmm. so like as i said at, um at the beginning of pod like um like it, it's all grounded in nature and you do not it, like, like there is nothing uh you see or experience or um deduce to be incontrovertibly true which requires like anything beyond the mystical nature of nature so the, the examples are like i you know a month ago i would look at a tree and it's just like a tree or a plant is just a plant where now it's just sort of again incontrover incontrovertibly true to me that these are living conscious beings with ancient wisdom right mm -hmm. th th this is not tree and plant and like it doesn't i don't think it actually you don't have to stretch the imagination too far to accept that like trees and plants are living um like prior to ayahuasca right it's, it's actually kind of obvious like the the structure and the um um sort of nuanced sophistication of root roots and like it's actually fairly clear that um, uh, 
for example, trees and plants are living, but it it, it took me the the mystical ayahuasca experience to like see that these are not only living, but like conscious beings who are sort of rejoicing and celebrating consciousness and harbor what I believe to be like billions of years of wisdom, which you can actually like gain a line of communication to through ayahuasca. So like not, not only are plants and trees living, but they are like wise beyond our like mammalian brain comprehension, right? Yeah. And ayahuasca allows you to like communicate with plants and trees and download <laughs> download an awful lot of uh ancient wisdom um which they are in in, a, in like a strange way are like willing to give you and it's glorious um and all of a sudden like you can those are things i i believe that i will never be able to unsee like i now look at trees and again here's the caveat again i know how this sounds right <laughs> i know how this sounds like, again i i like I, my, my brain often is like reductionist and scientific and so on. Um, and I fully believe that tra- uh, trees and plants are like, have, have knowledge and wisdom to the tune of billions of years and far beyond our comprehension. And we believe we're like the smartest uh, species on the planet. And it's like, it couldn't be more like in- inverse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember... I think I said this to you at the end of the week that I I went into the week the first couple of days thinking like, well, how did the Shipibo people and all these indigenous people like even figure this out, right? Like how did they know to get this vine? How did they know to make this brew? How did they develop all this? Like that must have taken a really long time to perfect this ceremony, right? And then by the end of the week, I was like, oh no, the plants just told them. <laughs> I was like literally the plants just told them and it also just like that ties into one of my big lessons that I got out of it too where it was like it's literally all in the subtleties and how we are living so backwards in this world where we're like constantly stimulated and constantly um, disconnected from nature and that when indigenous cultures were developing this, they were like just so in tune with the plants. Like they literally were just immersed in their wisdom that it wasn't even a problem. It wasn't even a hard thing to figure this out or develop this, but we're just so removed from it now. So it seems so wild, right? Yes. That is, so I, I, um, I think it's like a really important distinction um, to make where, so, Ayahuasca is like rightly uh, deemed plant medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, fourteen of us turned up as perfect strangers at the beginning, and you know, you know, all of us with our eyes watched like the most astonishing transformation of of people over the space of one week, like far beyond. You know, everyone talks about you know, um, a, a de- you know a ceremony or a week of um, ayahuasca is equivalent to X amount of years of therapy or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw it with my own eyes, right? Like yeah. this is, it's absolutely amazing how powerful this tool is as plant medicine and people regard it as plant medicine and it is, but it is also a re- revealer of truth. And they are yeah. like two different things and they're both super important. Um, and I both think they're going to be like pivotal to um, like the uh, improvement and improvement of health of humanity going forward. Um, and just to go back to what you were saying, like the, re- the revealer of truth point is like 
it is like it's abundantly clear to me now that we are very much we very much come from nature we very much a part of nature and somewhere along the line we decided that there's nature and then there's us and mm. we've like diverged very far from the path of like how we are naturally meant to live and by the way this is unsurprisingly the premise of a film that everyone knows which is like <laughs> the most successful film of all time um i think um and it's largely because and James Cameron can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I have a very strong suspicion that Avatar is a result of James Cameron doing, you know, a bunch of ayahuasca and, and realize, <laughs> realize it. Like, and I really believe that. Um, and not only do I believe it, I actually think it's like obvious. Um, and I think that like humanity, uh, I think ayahuasca, ayahuasca is like the best chance of what I what I like describe as like bringing humanity home. Mm, um, yeah. And I think we're, we've diverged very far from what makes us most happy, which is like essentially being where we came from, which is the jungle in, in sort of communities of a certain amount of people. Whereas now we, we do not, we, we, we uh, collaborate and celebrate together a lot less and we compete as individuals a lot more. And guess what? There's like a lot of loneliness and a lot of divisiveness and all of a sudden. And then like when you, are given doses of truth, truth from nature, and I believe the best way to do that is through ayahuasca. You realize, like I think, anyway, like you realize, like just how conditioned we are, right? Like I believe that we're, you know, mammals who come from the jungle, but actually we go to like high school and learn, you know, like geography or whatever, and, and, <laughs> and like you're told that you're like human and that like you should have a career and be an individual and like that's all fine but it's also I don't believe to be like objectively and that's like a, a kind of scary word philosophically but like ob I don't believe it's true that that's what we are mm -hmm. and uh one way of seeing that is downloading a lot of botanical wisdom through <laughs> through ayahuasca yeah yeah I feel everything you just said really deeply uh I was I actually got dinner with a friend the other night who was in town in Chicago for work and um I've known her since college and um she's a great friend and she was expressing to me how she feels pretty isolated and pretty alone and she just got married right she just got married moved into a new house with her husband her wedding was in may i was there like you would think that like this is a time where she doesn't feel isolated and alone right but she's confessing to me that like she feels very isolated and it feels like a whole new life where she's away from the city away from all of her older old friends and things like that and she also is really curious about the path that i've been on of of healing and, and plant medicine and all that stuff, um, even just over the past few years, let alone the past few months. And um, was, I couldn't help but smile at her because uh, when she was telling me that she was interested in like doing all this stuff, because I said to her, I was like, honestly, like, I'm really excited for you because it's hard to feel alone the more you d dive into this, right? It's hard to it's hard to feel isolated once you fully understand the consciousness of the earth and the world and the plants and the people around you. And it, like you said, I, I to totally believe that this is the way to bring people home. And like one of our facilitators said, like, 
transformation of consciousness or bust. Like that is the way that we change the earth. That is the way that we save the earth from what we've been doing to it. That is the way that we all stop fighting each other and create a world that we actually really want to live in all together um, is this transformation of consciousness. And whether it's ayahuasca or something else that gets people there, I don't know. It's, it's going to be different for a lot of people, but ayahuasca is definitely the most powerful tool I've experienced for it. Right. And I've been in coaching and therapy for five years, and this is definitely the most powerful version of it I've ever witnessed or experienced. Yeah. So, so like, um, no, I will, I will yeah, gladly, um, um, tell you and tell everyone, like, look, I've done, I've done, um, my fair share of LSD and MDMA and psilocybin mushrooms and like as everyone's seeing with like the Michael Pollan Netflix series and so on like the way that we were conceiving of these um compounds 20 years ago was like deeply un like distractive and unhelpful and actually they have like immense utility and they and now there's you know billion dollar public companies about it and, and humanity is slowly like really waking up to what they actually are um and look I've 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 had the kind of classical ego dissolution experiences on LSD where you silence the default mode network and you blend into consciousness and you can't distinguish between the end of your finger and the rest and you begin, you know, considering that like maybe it is a universal consciousness and there's like a genetic lie in our heads telling each sort of entity or organism that they're like different from the rest, but actually you're not you're not only whereas in like you don't turn off your whole brain, you turn off a tiny bit of the brain. And then, like, you realize that actually, like, there's no difference between, and, and so on and so on and all of that. And my point is, like, having said that and having experienced all of that, like, wonderful experience with MDMA and psilocybin, I would not regard them as mystical. The only thing that I've ever experienced, which is truly mystical, is that ayahuasca ceremony on my fourth night. Right. Mm -hmm. but again, that like e emphasis on like that isn't to say I do believe that um, essentially like the, the four compounds in the Michael Pollan document um, Netflix series, uh, LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, and mescaline will have like immense utility um, for a bunch of reasons, be it like depression, PTSD, um, like uh, even end of life stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but I really do think that this one is just like the most important and the only one that I've I've, I've I deem like mystical sub like on a per, like subjective on a personal level. Yeah, totally. And I do think that those other ones, like I have done all the same substances as well. And I do think that they're all really great gateways to ayahuasca in a way, like they're good stepping stones and not that you have to have done anything to do ayahuasca. Like we had someone in our group had never done anything before and had an amazing experience. Um, and I think they're all very powerful in their own ways. Um, <clears throat> but like, for example, I, I, I'm putting together a mushroom ceremony with my spiritual guide, um, at the end of this month. And, uh, we had a call yesterday and she was like, what was the date of your last ayahuasca ceremony? And I told her and she's like, okay, so the mushroom ceremony will be about 30 days out. She's like, well, you're going to take a little bit less mushrooms than normal because ayahuasca is still going to be very sensitive in your body. And she's like, and I'm sure that 
Mama Aya will come to you in mushroom ceremony. And like, that is just so mind blowing that like the spirit of ayahuasca is so powerful that she will come when I am not even asking her to, right? Like, like anytime that the gateway is slightly open, she's like, yep, I'm right here. <laughs> and that was kind of the experience that I had with her the whole time. Like even the very first night, my first night was very much like she was like telling me basically how excited she was to be inside my body. She was like, Oh yeah, fuck yeah. We're here. We're doing this. You wanted this. I'm pumped. Let's get ready. Let's do this shit. Um, and she was very mischievous and toying with me and playing with me and, and all that stuff. And I've even had experiences in the last couple of weeks since, since we're, we've been out of it. Like I haven't had any drugs. I haven't had um, alcohol at all. Like the thought of alcohol actually makes me want to throw up when I think of drinking it right now. Um, so I haven't had any substances. Um, I've had decaf coffee, but that's it. And, um, I already, I already told you this, but, um, Monday I was, I just had this intuition message. I was like, I just know that my body needs me to fast. And, um, for some context, um, David sort of mentioned this, but when you're doing ayahuasca, you end up fasting, um, for about half the day before you do ayahuasca. Um, so I had gotten used to a certain level of fasting, um, and hadn't done it really since our journey two weeks prior. And Monday I had this intuition message of like, I need to fast. Like my body wants me to fast. And, um, so I stopped eating after 12 PM and by 7 p.m., it was as if I was in ceremony again. Like I was dry heaving, burping, um, yawning, like all the purges that I experienced while in ceremony were happening to me again for about an hour. And it was very clear that my body was letting go of tension, letting go of things that I was holding on to, probably from like the long travel that I had, right? Like a few days beforehand, some stress about my dogs, like whatever. My body was letting it go. And it was so cool because, um, for one thing, it just felt very much like ayahuasca was still working with me, even after the medicine is gone. And also, it was just another clear indication of, like, we are so bombarded by stimulation in so many ways, food included, right? And how much energy... Uh, it takes for your body to process things like food and the, all the stimulation that we have. And when you take away that stimulation and when you l let your body have the time and space to do what it actually knows how to do and needs to do, it will do it right away, right? Like it's all about just giving yourself that space for it to happen and it will just happen. And it was so cool and so beautiful for me. So, yeah. Yeah, it amazes me. It amazes me. It keeps going back to the the, the word mystical and, and what it what it really means. Um just just on that, like I um again, like it's the but I really do stress it's the first time um I've ever regarded something that I personally experienced as mystical. I not long ago thought that that was complete nonsense. Um but I also, having said that, like, I also think that, like, um, you know, we all are, um, we all are, pretty, it's very Joseph Campbell-y, it's like, actually, the sort of, like, the meaning of life, whether we realize, realize it or not, is, like, we're looking to feel alive, we're looking to be in awe, and actually, that's, like, what we're looking for. And so, like, we are all just naturally predisposed to 
like wanting to explain things as mystical, as spiritual, as literally awesome, right? Um, uh, when often like uh, it, it probably isn't, right? So, so like you know, a few things can a few series of series of events can happen in day to day life, which leads to something else happening, and people can explain those things that oh, like you know, that was meant to be and it's mystical. I'm not. I'm certainly not there yet. Like I, I very much, <laughs> I very much cover and value this new word in my vocabulary, mystical, to uh, what I genuinely believe to be mystical, um, uh, which is essentially when I was you know, communicating with with universal consciousness and Mother Nature as a separate conscious um, uh, being. Um, and I just, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean one is right or wrong. Um, I certainly know where I stand. I, like the point I, or like the recommendation I'd make is sort of be careful not to over explain everything as mystical. Um, and uh, because as, I, as I've only, uh, like I've only recently discovered that I do believe there are mystical things going on. Um, um, but but there, I do believe there's probably such thing as like over explaining stuff as mystical too. Yeah. I'm curious if you could put more words to what that experience is actually like when you were communicating with plant consciousness and universal consciousness, as you put it. Ooh, yeah. So like, so I think, um, um, firstly, you know, so, um, so someone asked me recently when I was, when I was trying to explain, um, you know, we all come back and we, a lot of us are very excited to explain to people who care about what happened. And someone said to me like, Oh, so like you're saying that plants spoke words. And it was interesting, like that phrasing, because no, um, like words is very much a human construct, right? Like mm, we yeah. have converted trachea vibrations into words, right? Um, and this is like like human language. Whereas, like I genuinely believe that I communicated in nature's language as geometric patterns, um, mm. and it all made like a ton of sense. Um, and, I, and like you kind of understand uh, a lot of stuff which which is communicated with you um and you see things and, and by the way like going back to the sort of trip um and hallucination thing is after after the ceremony and after the experience you continue to realize that what you saw is true right so this is not like or like oh you know a week later i look back at it and actually i was probably just tripping like no, no, like this may, yeah. <laughs> this exists as like essentially incontrovertibly true. Um, yeah. And so I, I just think that that, like, that is truly astonishing um, and, and mystical to communicate with this um, separate consciousness um, uh, through geometric patterns um, with uh, messages which you can actually like implement in your real life, right? So like, it's, it's the, I regard that fourth, ceremony is like the most important night of my life um because uh it changed it's sort of essentially like changes you can't you can't unsee a lot of things you see and it changes like the things that you want to prioritize so like mm -hmm. i it, it's very it's much harder for me now to live i've always, you know i grew up in london and um and wimbledon and went to like you know nice universities and schools and everything and, and now i just see like a lot of it as just sort of like artificial and untrue <laughs> so like and that, you know, a lot of me is it's a lot of me is feeling a very strong pull to 
um, to, to go back, um, be it permanently um, or not. I don't know. Um, I know I haven't really answered your question. It's like, oh, I think, I think, um, like, I, I experienced, or I was kind of like shown the meaning of life, right? And here's yet again the caveat of like, I know how it sounds. Like, who, like, who are you to say you were shown the meaning of life and so on? Like, what is the meaning of life? Is it subjective to individuals? How can you say there's an objective meaning of life? But I was very clearly shown by nature, like that the meaning of life is a celebration of consciousness. Mm. But yeah. That's it. Like it is abundantly clear to me that the meaning of life is a celebration of consciousness. And that is it. And there's no, and there's also like, there's no that's it beyond that. Like there isn't anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it. Um, and and it was just astonishing. And I was put, essentially putting my hair out. And I needed to check mm-hmm. that I wasn't. Right? Yeah. Um, and nature is is like con- I think um, um, we forget, and like I'm I'm just you know many are and me included a perfect example of this is like we forget how amazing it is to be alive, right? If you actually were like you know. It's, it kind of like belittles it, but if you like run the numbers of like what it takes to like for you to be alive right now is unbelievably like unlikely. And just like the phenomenon of being alive is incredible. Um, it's just that like we are focusing on like to-do lists <laughs> and, <laughs> and like quote unquote day-to-day life stuff. And you just get, you, you're like, oh, I'm alive, whatever. And, and then you have to like pay your bills and like, your nine to five and so on and like you forget the like like the miraculousness of simply the notion of in and of itself consciousness and being alive and i just think that like a lot of nature is a lot better at like basking in the glory of being alive than we are right now absolutely yeah that it exactly relates to what i was saying of like we're just living so backwards, right? Like everything that we think that we should be living for doesn't matter, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like that was a big message that I got where it was like, as long as I'm safe, nothing else matters. Like this little thing that I'm worrying about, this little deadline, this um, fight with somebody or, or just even an inconvenience, like, it truly doesn't matter. Like, should I take care of it? Yeah. Okay. I'll take care of it. But should it matter to the point where it impacts my being? No, (laughs) absolutely shouldn't. Um, And I also, to echo you, I actually had, you know, a similar experience where I had a lot of geometric patterns and stuff like that too. So it's not like it was completely individualistic. Like we, I definitely had some of the same experiences as you did. Um, And I too had this like intense communication with the universe where what I was shown and what I was given was that, you know, time truly isn't linear. It's very, very clear to me that it's not. And there are actually versions of myself as my older self and my younger self that are still existing right now and living this life right now. And, you know, I... I've, I've always been, um, 
at least for the past few years, I've been very spiritual, very deep in this healing work. So like pretty connected to myself even before ayahuasca and my best friend, um, like would always hear me say over the last year, like, you know, I really feel like this is a big year. Like I'm about to like experience so much and and learn so much and and do so much. And I just had this like really deep, deep sense of that. And now I understand the reason why I feel that way is because I've already lived it. <laughs> like every day is just a remembering because there's an older version of me that has already gone through all of this. And, um, when we were in ceremony, uh, that fourth night, that was such a big night for both of us. I had a really big cry and it was about my mom. And in that moment, it was not just me as a 30 year old laying in, in Costa Rica crying about my mom. It was very clearly me as um, 25 year old who had just lost her me as, um, a slightly older woman becoming a mom, grieving the fact that my mom wasn't there with me. It was me as a 70 year old woman grieving the fact that my mom wasn't there with me. And it was all versions of me crying for my mom and letting that grief out of my body at the same exact time. And like, that's the truth. And like, you can't tell me otherwise. Like that was not just something I made up. It's not something I decided was like sounded good or felt good. Like it was so true. And as I was laying there, um, our friend Jenny, who was on the other side of me, sent me a blessing of love and I could literally feel it land on me. Like I was crying and I literally felt her blessing come onto me. And I, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Jenny's here. Jenny's Jenny loves me and she's next to me. And then Jenny later confirmed that she felt me receive it too. Like she knew I received it. Um, and then I also thought it was amazing. Like what you said when I was crying, like you said, you're like, yeah, I've never understood something more clearly, right? <laughs> like that's like how connected we were because we, like you said, are just part of nature, part of the consciousness, part of plants, like just as plants are so connected, so are we. And if we remove the things that prevent us from being that connected, we actually like allow room and space for us to feel that connection so deeply. Yeah. You, you crying, mate. It just, I don't know how to describe it beyond, but it just made all the sense in the world. It's just like, it just made sense. Um, yeah. generally when someone's crying you know sort of along the lines of like are you okay and it was n zero, none of that it's just like part of the dance and um, <laughs> yeah it really is it really is um it really is amazing the other the other word that's like super important for medicine is like um humility and like again loads of caveats mm -hmm. of that like people love talking about like humility and the importance of being humble um and to some extent it's like overused but like try um, being shown like how little we know as a species on a like literally like cosmic, um, not even like yes, cosmic level, but also like on a earthly sort of nature-based level, right? I, I was shown by billions of years of ancient wisdom that we are like a brand new species of mammal who doesn't know anything. Um, and I was shown that by mother nature like who's been around forever um and it was it was literally downloaded into my brain and it's just like so unbelievably humbling how naive um, and young we are as a species and again like i'm a science guy scientific me method blah 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 um but like <laughs> the scientific method really can only get us so far it really can <laughs> and, and 
Uh, I mean, humans um, can only get us so far, right? Like that's a human construct. Like humans can only get us so far. <laughs> we are we are so far from the truth. It is astonishing. And I again, like I honestly believe that I was shown that by Mother Nature herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, we'd be remiss not to talk about the purging aspect of it as well. Um, I think that, I don't know about you, but I, for me, when I was going into it and whenever I'd heard about ayahuasca, people would always talk about the vomiting as if it was just like a symptom or a side effect. They're like, oh, that's the thing that makes you vomit, right? Or like, oh, get ready to vomit, like whatever. But I didn't understand until being there and experiencing it for myself that purging not only does not only look like vomiting, right? Like I personally never actually vomited. I dry heaved to the point where I knew something was coming out. Like I energetically, I was like, oh yeah, that's a purge. Um, But most of my purging looked like yawning, burping, farting, peeing, like all that stuff. And um, so first of all, I didn't realize that that those were other versions of it. Oh, even like muscle twitches and body shakes were forms of purges for me. Um, But I also didn't fully understand until experiencing it how it is an essential piece of the journey, right? Like it's not just a symptom. It's not just a side effect. It is like part of the reason that you're there, right? And the maestros are trying to get you to purge in one way, shape or form um, to let all this stuff out of your body. Um, so I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on that and your experience of it. Yeah, like I, I, I would also, I do also think that that's like another example of something which is kind of difficult to understand until you experience it. Like I, I only like who would have thought that um, sort of violent purging and vomiting was like a core part of the process as opposed to sort of like a secondary effect. Um, mm-hmm. Look, the, the, there's a bunch of. I think that I I have thought about it because it's it's important, and there's a bunch of theories about it. It's about like you know some people think that um, uh, you know when you drink the ayahuasca, um, she sort of uh, gathers up as much of, of like the toxic parts of you, the toxicants, um, um, into a sort of ball, and then when she sort of like scoops them all up then you sort of purge them out and then only then are you ready for um uh the sort of post-purge journey and i you know like the, the journey is most pleasurable and, and most magnificent post-purge um in my opinion i think it's like once you're done with it and you're, you're sort of off to the races i have a <laughs> i have like a slightly um more out there but actually to my mind quite plausible uh theory about it i like i don't know if anyone like i'm sure people have thought about it before but i've really had this discussion but basically like like um as i suppose a genetics guy like and um, there's actually a guy called donald hoffman who has like a theory that um and i'm pretty i'm actually pretty convinced it's true it's like we have evolved uh our genes have evolved to optimize for survival and not truth right which is to say that we do not see reality anywhere close to like the actual like nature of things um example i always use is like if you imagine you're looking across the table to someone you have a conversation in their eyes both of your brains are sure that there's like nothing in between you you're just looking at your eyes and there's air in between you but actually there's like 
a whole world of stuff going on. It's just that our brains uh, filter it out because we've, often, we've evolved for survival and not truth because a lot of uh, the, the like color and beauty and chaos of the world is basically unnecessary, right, mm-hmm. for survival. And, and so I honestly have a suspicion that um, your, our body, there's like a, a non-zero chance in my head that our bodies basically want to eject the ayahuasca before it gives us like tools to see what is true. <laughs> right? Like, and, and I've been thinking about it quite a bit. And so I genuinely believe, again, like the opposite of hallucination and trip. I genuinely believe that you are, you, you are nudged far, like not even closer, but like way closer to like what is actually true when you access the sort of dimethyltryptamine and, and like ayahuasca as a whole and your evolutionary body, which has evolved for survival and not truth, like doesn't like it. It doesn't want you to see the truth of things. It doesn't want you to see that like it's actually one universal consciousness and you know, maybe there's a genetic lie in your head telling you're like one individual and your you as an organism is separate from the rest of everything. Mm-hmm. And like there is a distinction between the end of your finger and the rest. And it's just like a very interesting thing to think about, in in my opinion. It's like, is your body and all its like complex genes basically like, nope, like get this out ASAP? <laughs> because like the organism uh, um which the selfish gene is essentially driving is gonna like figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such an interesting way to think about it. I hadn't heard that from you or anyone else before, but I definitely could see that. You know, it is it is a lot. It is overwhelming in some ways to to see the truth of everything that is there. Um and for me, my experience with purging was so vital to my journey. But again, my one of my big intentions going into it was to heal my relationship to my body as well as the physical manifestations of trauma. And I'm definitely not the only person in our group and who's ever done ayahuasca in general to go in seeking like physical healing as well, right? Like even some people in our group like um, were looking at things about, you know, fertility and and pregnancy and and other um, things like that. But for me, it was especially the third and fourth nights, it was as if every little tension I've ever experienced in my body was being released. And it's not even like my big T traumas or whatever you want to call it, like losing my mom, losing my hair, losing my dad. Like, yeah, those were definitely in there sprinkled throughout, but it was like every time I've ever braced for impact, every time I've ever stressed myself out, every time I've ever been late and caught in traffic and pissed off and like held that in my body. It was like every little one of those micro moments, my body was letting it go. And I would have a memory and then I would yawn. And then I would have a memory and then I would burp. And then I would have a memory and then I would yawn again, like whatever it was. And it was like every single thing that I've ever held in my body just is being released. And so to me, like that was so beautiful. It was very difficult and it made the last couple nights like really physically exhausting for a while and like 
like the third night, I remember laying there begging for it to be over. I was like, I I can't do this anymore. Please let me stop. Please let me stop. Like you and I both slept in the Maloka that night because you just because you slept through it, me because I'm like suffering and laying there. Like I can't even get up for the maestros to sing to me. Like I can't, I can't sit up. I need to lay down. It was so hard because my body was processing so much and letting it go. And I do think that that's um, actually quite related to what your your theory you just gave because it's like this idea, again, that nothing really else matters. And so when you – it's like our bodies like want to survive, but our bodies like don't understand the difference, right? And it's like we we do hold so much in our bodies that we don't even realize and that contributes to so much of the – hardship and ailments in the world, like why people are always in pain and and looking to be made more comfortable. Like that's the whole idea, right? This idea that we should be more comfortable, that we should avoid pain is directly related to what you're talking about. Like, okay, if we don't, if there's no pain, but being caused between our eyes, then why would we look at that thing? Right. And it's the same thing that what the way people treat themselves and the way that they experience life, it's like this never ending search for comfort, this never ending search, um, for just like a lack of struggle. When in reality, like that struggle is where all the beauty is and where you like learn so much and where you also receive the most joy, the the biggest release, the the biggest connection to consciousness, the most um, happiness, like the least loneliness. Right? Like it's all connected in this in this pursuit of truth over comfort. Um, And I think the purging is totally related to that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just to just to like add to that. Like it's it's hard work. Um, it's oh, it was a, one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, this is not. You know, I, I'm here. I am talking about the most like beautiful, mystical, important experience of my life, right? Um, which is true. Uh, but that isn't to say it's like a lot of hard hard work to get there, and it's not. You know. I don't believe ayahuasca is going to be something where you buy over the counter and, um, no. you know, this is, this is like a very deep and mystical and ancient thing, which, um, is, you know, there's a, a hell of an adventure and a lot of obstacles and it's no easy feat. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was truly one of the most difficult things that I've ever done. Like, that's why I think it's important that you mention like it's not just a hallucination or trip. Like I think people were like, "Oh, you're gonna like go be high for a week or something like yeah. that." Like, no, it's not at all the same. It's not at all like it's not the same experience whatsoever. It is truly. It was one of the most amazing and, like you said, important experiences of my life. I do think this is like the most important work that I've ever experienced. And it's so difficult. And I think that you have to be ready for it and you have to be willing. Like you said, it's going back to what you said before, like willing to follow the rules, willing to be open-minded, willing to humble yourself, willing to put in the work because it is not something you can just do lightly. Like you're all in or you're out, right? (laughs) Yeah, it it does does require a a level of respect, which... um, I I like realize in its entirety really only after. 
Um, so that that is just going right back to the beginning of this conversation. Like, uh, take, almost take take my word for it, right? That like this is some, This is a, a practice of respect and discipline. Um, even even if you can't see it, um, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you did mention the word earlier, integration. And so let's talk about that. So I know for me, integration is like the number one thing on my mind right now, bringing everything that I learned into my daily life. Like, how do I balance this idea that like, yeah, I do have to pay my bills and I have to continue with my job and my work and whatever, but also continue to stay connected to nature, continue to recognize that things shouldn't matter that much. Like they shouldn't be taken into my being, um, continuing to embody this essence of like peace and calm and lack of urgency and listening to my body and all those things. And so I'm curious for you, like, what are some of the big lessons that you're trying to integrate into your life? Yeah. So just just like on just quickly at like a high level of integration, like kind of like um, um, making the distinction between plant medicine and um, like revealer of truth as to, as to what I believe ayahuasca is. With integration, it's, it's also, I kind of see it split into two as well, which is like uh, the truths that you see and can't unsee. Um, and then the things which... Um, uh, have risk of sort of fading over time, right? And I think like the thing, one of the one of the things that I I was um, after the uh, after our retreat, I'm still still am sort of terrified about is like essentially losing the le- the like invaluable lessons that we all learn. Um, and I do believe that there is a lot of, uh, unfortunately, I do believe there's a lot of of stuff. Um, fortunately, not everything, but unfortunately, some things which will fade and do fade over time. Um, and so, like for me, um, it's actually far, the importance is actually far more like figuring out the maintenance of the lessons, right? Um, almost like more important than like the lessons um, themselves. So, like a very, I'll give you like a very almost boring and basic one, which is like I mentioned in ceremony two. I had this like incredibly um, clear message of the importance of like unadulterated clarity of, and like not mugging my brain, right? And it's just like it was very clear to me. And the the, the days following the retreat, um, it was it like continued to be very obvious. But like, is it as obvious in three months' time? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it isn't. And maybe um, as the days roll on, um, and you go to a social event, and you know, like your partner likes having a bottle of wine and so on, and then all of a sudden. A uh, hundred days later, you've almost forgotten about it, or you're back into the um, old, old ways. Um, and so, like that, that is something which is like super interesting to think about. Like, how do I really implement this into my life? Uh, not only a week after, but a year after. Um, mm-hmm. And and like I'm, <laughs> like to be honest, uh, part of the answer to me is to like do. But I intend to to do an ayahuasca retreat at least once a year for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I probably will too, you know. (laughs) Um, At this point, I don't 
I've decided though that I'm not declaring anything, right? Other than the truths of what ayahuasca gave me in my life, declaring feels um, antithetical to the way I want to live, right? Like this idea, like I was telling someone, um, like I said, mentioned earlier that right now alcohol just feels so disgusting to me. Like the idea of putting it in my body just makes me ugh, like <laughs> just feels gross. But I am totally open to the idea that I could wake up tomorrow and feel completely differently. Right. Like I'm not about to go around saying to people like I'm completely sober now and I will never have a drink of alcohol ever again in my life. Like, no, I don't know that. And I, I, I reserve the right to change my mind at any point. So that's kind of how I feel about everything right now. Um, but yeah, it is this interesting thing. And, and I think for a lot of people, because, um, you know, I think we had a lot of discussion in our, our in our group chats about how does this impact people, right? Like asking the facilitators things like, do you ever witness people who walk away and aren't changed or like who, who don't um, feel as impacted or whatever? And they kind of mentioned, you know, it really depends on how you take it home, right? Like if you do integrate it or not, if you do continue with the work or not and how like how that looks in this world. And I think I can understand why certain people wouldn't integrate and why certain people would really struggle with it. Cause it, exactly what you just said, like it feels like the whole world is telling us that like normal looks like drinking coffee, drinking alcohol, um, partying, not sleeping, working a ton, um, being social all the time, having all of these different um, stimulations when in reality, like normal is kind of like the indigenous people living with the plants, right? Like, and so we've kind of messed up our version of normal. But even I, like last night, I went to go hang out with a couple friends with because one of my friends is in town, and they wanted to go to this amazing taco and churro place. And like, they're so good. I'm not even a big taco and churro person, and I'm telling you that this this stuff is like the best stuff I've ever eaten. And I was talking to my shaman earlier and I was like, oh, part of me just like wishes I could be normal and eat that. Like it, I feel like I already know that my body doesn't want it, but my mouth wants it. My mind wants it. Right. <laughs> and I wish I could just be normal. And she was like, well, what is normal? You know, <laughs> like, is that really normal? Like if your body's telling you that you don't want that, is that what is normal? So I already understand and see like how difficult it is. Like I've even kind of laughed at myself at like how easy it is to fall back into the stimulation. Like in that week that we had the journey, like we weren't on our phones, like at all, pretty much. And it's so easy to come back home and feel like I'm on it all the time. And to feel like, you know, I can't eat a meal without watching a TV show at the same time, things like that. So it is a really, um, I can understand how it's a hard practice and it also feels like, um, really beautiful and important at the same time to just keep practicing, right? And it doesn't have to be perfect, but to keep in mind all these things like, hmm, like if if I want to be super clear today, now I actually know what to do, right? Like now it's it's not always about like I have to have the utmost clarity all the time so I can never drink coffee, but more like if I want to be really clear today, maybe I won't drink coffee. If I want to be really clear today, maybe I won't have that drink, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. 
So we're running out of time, my dear. But I'm curious, any last big lessons, takeaways, things that you really, really want people to know um, after this incredible experience? So I think, I think um, I, again, I, I want to say that um, um, this is the most important thing I've ever um, discovered in my life. Um, there's been a few times in the, in the past where, you know, I, I came across Bitcoin fairly early and I was like, wow, this is like um, going to be incredibly important to the world. And, and I think that it's going to be incredibly important to the world. I actually think it's going to fix money and therefore fix the world type thing. Like as Maxim fix, fix the money, fix the world. And I think it's going to displace um, a lot of bad um, structures and things in the world. Um, and I was very, very excited when I, when the sort of penny dropped as to how important Bitcoin was going to be. Um, and the reason I sort of say that is having come across this, this is like a million times more important for, um, forget the order of magnitude. It's just like, like to my eye, a lot more important than anything else. I think that as, as our facilitator rather beautifully actually gave me chills when he said it, it was sort of off the cuff. Um, like, uh, humanity for humanity is either a transformation of consciousness or bust. And I think that this is the most important tool um, to essentially bring humanity home. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're all going to go back and live in the Amazon jungle. It means that like it is an amazing way, or it could be an amazing way for us to sort of like uh, reset and maybe like remind us of what actually is important as opposed to what's happening right now, which I genuinely believe that like the world is kind of spiraling out of control. And uh, this plant medicine and revealer of truth is like, again, to me, the, the most fundamental tool to sort of like bring, bring us bring us back, bring us home a little bit. Um, and so even though we've talked about uh, in a way quite like nebulous and abstract and like quote unquote spiritual or mystical things today, like, uh, I would ask people to at least keep an open mind and consider that, um, you know, this might actually be as important as you're saying. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Love that. Thank you. Um, and I'm kind of going to spring this on you, but I don't think I told you this, but generally, because this is the Fully Express podcast, I do ask every guest at the end the same question. So I'm going to ask you as well. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to you, especially after this ayahuasca journey, what does it mean to you to live your most fully expressed life? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that like that's certainly changed in the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> since our retreat um look i think i think um um i i, I honestly believe that it it sort of has given me a, a real sense of purpose uh to uh uh sort of heal heal others and not necessarily like me personally healing others but like uh uh exposing others to just how important this is um and again, as, as a sort of, it, it feels generic because people always talk about it, but like, uh, uh, I have this like very real, like not even reinvigorated, just like invigorated uh, understanding of the importance of like gratitude and kindness and the 
the type of like person, type of man I want to be, um, the type of feelings I want to feel. Um, and and I just sort of like, you can just, you can just tell at your core that it, it's right and it makes sense. Um, and a lot of it, if not all of it, is, is down to what we just experienced together. Um, so yeah, like to, to serve humanity and through ayahuasca is, is like gonna be a large part of um, uh, what I deem to be like a fully expressed and purposeful life. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you. And thanks everybody for listening. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fully Expressed podcast. If you loved what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review. I'd love to hear what y'all think. And send this episode to a friend. Who in your life could benefit from hearing this conversation today? If you want to stay connected with me, please follow me on Instagram at Stina, S-T-I-N-A, E, Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D. Feel free to shoot me a message. I love connecting with y'all. Please tell me what you want to hear, what topics you want me to cover, and let's keep expanding and building this community of fully expressed people.